0: Daniel chapter 1. Verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. With the vessels of the house of God. And he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel, of the king's seed and of the princes. Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favoured, and skilful in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they might teach their learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, and at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and unto Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Thereof he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Let's stop there for a moment. Let's pray. Father, you're wonderful. Jesus, you're altogether lovely. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for being in our midst. Thank you for your great faithfulness. or we don't know why you're so faithful, but you are. You're true to your own word. We love you, Lord. And we worship you. Take your word, and inscribe it on in our hearts, but bless us challenge us, instruct us and teach us in the way which we shall go. Father, guide us with thine eye. Father, we just want to see your son glorified in our lives and in our hearts. We want to be strengthened and built up upon our most holy faith. We want to get closer to you. Holy Spirit, have your way. We ask it. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen. The modernists of recent years deny that there was a man called Daniel. And they try to disprove the word of God, saying it was other writers, and that Daniel was not a, a, a man who literally lived but was a fictional character now, the modernists say this to try and explain away the word of God. But, you know, we're going to look at the names here of Daniel and his three friends in a few moments, and others. And I want you to see how it's not just the book of Daniel that mentions Daniel. Now, in First Chronicles chapter 3, there's a Daniel mentioned who is a son of David. This is not the same Daniel. This is years later so Daniel here is a young man. He's carried away from the house of Judah in the southern kingdom into Babylon. Carried captive. And there he's with the first deportment. They come back a few times. There's different deportations where they capture more and they carry them away to Babylon again. They come back again and they carry them away. So they are what's known as um, the good figs in prophecy. Jeremiah speaks of the good figs. Of prophecy and the naughty figs are the bad figs. And so the good figs were those who obeyed the word of God and were also carried away early to Babylon. And of course then we read of all the stories of Daniel in Babylon. But we want to look, is there anywhere else in the scripture should someone ever say that Daniel was a fictional character? Why would we put our trust in a book like this? Well, here's something about the book of Daniel before we go any further. The book of Daniel, in my estimation, is essential to understand the book of Revelation. The book of Daniel and the book of Revelation are like two bookends. They're like mirror images of themselves and the prophecies that you see in Daniel, the Lord tells them to shut them up to the time of the end. And then they're opened again. And now we're going to be speaking this Sunday night on prophecy on the time of the end in Daniel, so I don't want to go too much into these. I want to go a different direction. But they open again in the book of Revelation. And a lot of the things that we read here, God willing, I'll be able to lift them out and show you why things were so. Why were their names changed? What did their names mean? And not only that, but other names that were mentioned. Did anyone else mention the name of Daniel? Okay. Okay. For example, in Daniel, the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1 and chapter 2 up to the beginning of verse 4. Okay? See the beginning of verse, Daniel chapter 2, verse 4. It says, Then speak the Chaldeans, or the Chaldeans, to the king in Syriac. Note that. O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will show the interpretation do you see the after that first line they speak in syriac see from there from daniel chapter 2 verse 4 the beginning of it there uh, right through to the very end of daniel chapter 7 it is no longer written in hebrew but really it is written in chaldean language So it's Hebrew chapter 1, it's in Hebrew chapter 2 to the beginning of verse 4, then it changes to the Chaldean language right to the end of chapter 7. Then from the beginning of chapter 8 right through to the end of chapter 12, it's Hebrew again. Okay, so uh, sometimes people don't realize these things, there's a language change in it. Anyhow, Daniel's name means God is my judge. God is my judge. Now the word Dan, Daniel, Daniel. So you have Dan and then I-L. The word Dan means judge. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 30. And as you're looking at this, you will see where some of these things come from. Daniel, uh, sorry, Genesis chapter 30. And let your eye run down to verse 6. And Rachel said, "God hath judged me." Genesis thirty, first, six. And Rachel said, "God hath judged me, and hath also heard my voice, and hath given me a son. Therefore, called his name Dan. Dan means judge. So Dan Niel I L at the end. L is where we get the name for Elohim." El Elyon, El Shaddai. So it means God. He is the Almighty. So the Almighty is my judge. God the Almighty is my judge. So that's what his name means. And if you go again just for another reference to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. And you'll read there again. The blessing upon the sons of Jacob. And notice what it says, Genesis 49, verse 16. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, an utter in the path that biteth horses heels, so that his rider shall fall backward. Strange thing is there then, when you read that just in passing here, that in the next verse... Here the old patriarch breaks out into praise and then comes back into the blessing. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. The word salvation you can look this up, and it can be rendered. I have waited for thy Yeshua or thy Yeshua. The translation from there into our English is the word Jesus, and Jesus becomes the personification of salvation. So. Christ is salvation. He just doesn't see if that's what he does, but he is personified salvation. I have waited for thy Yeshua. I have waited for thy Yeshua. That's why he's called Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus our Messiah. So you can see here how here's the judge, here is the serpent, here's the name changing, and Dan, actually the tribe of Dan, changed places wherever they went. They changed it the name of the place to the name of Dan, of their father. So they left the serpent's trail on their, on their route. Now, I have waited for thy salvation, O God. Then he comes into God, back into the blessing. God, a troop shall, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome at the last. So, so here we have Dan, main judge. Now, Dan, D-A-N. There's no uh, vowels in the Hebrew. So it's really D-N. But for our English rendering, it has to be the violin in Dan. So, for example, when you hear the Lord is called Adonai, A-D-O-N, A-I. When you hear of Adon, A-D-O-N for God, it means the Almighty Judge or God our Judge. See, D-O-N, there's a vowel, an O. That O can drop because it's the same. It means Judge. So the name of Dan and the name of Adon is the same. It means Judge. He's with me on that? So the vial just drops out. So whenever we have here, Daniel means God is my judge. But yet then we're told, the one whom God has judged. Now, how has God judged him is another thing. Because then he comes into the ministry of leadership, Genesis 49. He comes into the ministry of, he goes and he conquers areas in the name of God. And he judges it. He changes the name of it. He does it across his trackings. Okay, so was Daniel a real character then? Have we other references to prove that's just more than the book of Daniel? Go to Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14. And these would be important if you're writing them down. Because you do get people, modernists, who try and explain away the scriptures. And even there's those who are modernists who call themselves believers who try and explain away the scriptures. Uh, There was an old man years ago, um, um, Dr. Soper, you called him, and he said that Jesus, to explain how Jesus walked on water, just paddled in the shallows. That it was impossible. You see, he's taken away the supernatural ability of Christ. He's taken away the deity and the the godhood of Christ, the divinity of him. But remember, the ship was three and a half mile out in the middle of the sea. He didn't paddle in the shallows. So that's what modernism tries to do. He tries to refute the word of God. But the word of God is true. And truth will stand so we can just preach the truth. Notice this. In Ezekiel 14. And just letting your eye run down to verse 12. The word of the Lord came unto me again saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out mine hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it. Now notice this. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Notice, Ezekiel is around the same time, maybe just after Daniel, or at the latter part of Daniel. And here Ezekiel is mentioning this man, Daniel. So there's another witness that it's not a fable, he's not a fairy tale, that he was literally a man. And this is a literal book of literal happenings from a literal powerful God. So notice here it says, Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, Job were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. And let's look at this for a wee moment moment before we go any further. The name Noah means rest. And I I love the way the Lord puts this because he says in it in verse 12, son of man, or the, the term there for Ezekiel, son of man, is son of dust. You're just dust. Made from dust. Yet the Almighty sees fit to talk to him. Isn't that amazing? And what about you, brother and sister? Son of dust, daughter of dust. Yet the Almighty sees fit to speak to you. And he says this. Look at the mercy in this. You maybe not see it, and it's easy to run past it. Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing or breaking my law, notice, grievously. Do you know what the Lord's saying here? I know you are weak. I know you are frail. I know you're feeble. And the Lord's not this big God with a great big stick ready to beat you up as soon as you fail. Yes, God brings us, as it were, into the woodshed to, to correct his people. But here he's saying, grievously. He was even saying in Old Testament days, you know, I'm long-suffering with you, and I put up with you, and I allow, th- I- I allow you to go so long before I have to uh, r- r- draw you back in again. And so the Lord said when it sins grievously, then he says I'll have to do these things. So I think that the mercy and the the grace of the Lord is tremendous here. Then he mentions three men Noah, Daniel and Job. Now Noah means rest. Genesis chapter six, please. Going to have you flicking through. Genesis chapter six. And aren't you glad that we're in the new covenant for starters? And aren't you glad that whenever we fail, He keeps on loving us? And aren't you glad that when we fail, it, it's not I'm here to take you into the woodshed right away, but I'm here to try and help you. I want to correct you. I'm, uh, I'm long suffering with you. Is God long suffering with you? Because He's long suffering with me. God has got great patience towards us. And you see, and sometimes it gets more grievous than it should. And then He has to take my baby dealing with us. But you know what? It's because then when he does, it's then we're not illegitimate, you see. It's because we're sons. Because we're daughters. It's because he loves us. Now notice this in Genesis 6. We will not read all of it, obviously, for time's sake. Um, And Let your eye run down to verse 8. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now this is important. See the word for grace there. The word for grace is a, uh, a word, kanan, and it's actually it comes from a word, kanan or kenan. And it means, it gives the idea of being well-favored. It gives the idea of um, one bowing down or stooping down in kindness to an inferior. Isn't that beautiful? Noah found grace. The word found doesn't mean that Noah suddenly looked for grace. No. The idea is that grace appeared. Unto Noah. Grace appeared unto him. So there's at some point in Noah's life, the Lord spoke to him. and He realized this great God is so real that he's been sacrificing to. But you see, we, you and I can go through the sacrifice and we can even say we're trusting in Jesus and we, and we can even be to the cross and we can be his people. But then he wants to be familiar with you. He wants to be familiar with you. And that's when we realize the light bulb, as it were, if I can use that expression, comes on, you really do love me. If that grace that's always there finds you. And you think you've found it. That's the idea of it. Grace appeared. I wonder, now I can't be dogmatic in this, it's just a thought, but I wonder was this a theophany of Christ? Did he appear In in him He's full of grace and truth. wonder did he just appear in a theophany vision to Noah. I don't know. But here where it's, he finds it means it appears to him and it gives the idea that in the superior bowed down and he stooped down in kindness to Noah the inferior. It's beautiful. Just think of the Lord Jesus that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. So he came to us, and here we find that in Genesis chapter 6, Noah found grace, remember the word grace, the word cain means well-favored. There's also a word canaan, which is a close link to it. It means one bowing down or stooping down in kindness to the inferior. Verse 9 These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Can you see the difference now? The idea here is that Noah knew about building altars. Noah knew all about the religious, if I can call it that aspect of it, the the, the bit you do. But God comes to him and says, You're well favoured. I want to reveal myself to you. I want you to come into fellowship with me. And then we're told, Noah becomes more perfect. And he he didn't allow the other nations to invade him. Didn't allow their gods to come. And he didn't allow anything to, to make his purity impure. And he walked with God. So, remember the word grace. Cain, okay? Because we'll might point pointed out if we get time a little later on or somewhere else, okay? So when God looks here, he says, he mentions Noah, and that's why. Noah walked with God. And then we go, it says Daniel, but we look at him in a moment, but look at Job. The name Job means hated. Well, that's not very nice. Sure, it's not. Now, what are we going to do about that? It also gives the idea of being persecuted. But the idea is that A lot of commentators say that the idea comes from his calamities of things that happened to him. That all the things that he lost and all the hurt that he came across, he got the name from that. So I wonder did he have a name before? I don't know. Was his name prophetic for what he would go through? I don't know. But it means that it was due to the calamities which he had endured. Turn with me to the book of Job. The book of Job. Job chapter 1. Very easy to find. It's just before the Psalms. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job that was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Notice how God sees him now. One that feared God and eschewed evil. And then let your eye run down to verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and astueth evil. Now we know Job's faith is tried and tested. Even Satan says to the Lord, then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made an heads about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? And thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power only upon himself. Put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now, we can see here that Satan is saying, can I touch him? How far am I allowed to go? What is it he's saying that I'm allowed to do to him? He says, you can do this, this, and this. He, what you have to understand, brothers and sisters, is that Satan is not all powerful, but really, even as one of the old Puritans says, uh, that um, Satan is God's ape. He does what he's told. Satan is not almighty. There is only one almighty, and he does what he's told. And sometimes we have to understand then that some things that are happening in our lives, he cannot cross the bloodline. If you're under the blood of Christ, he can't. But when there's something happens, then your father knows all about it, for he hasn't done it of his own bad. Luke chapter 22, and he said, Jesus said, behold, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Notice, not as chaff. Satan hath desired to have you means he has already obtained you by asking. He's asked your father. In fact, the, the idea that that is, written, that is written in is that Jesus is speaking to all the disciples. So if you can get the picture that uh, if I say was, was the Lord and you are the disciples, He's speaking to them all. Say, Leslie over here was Peter, just for example. Sorry, Leslie, but I'm just going to pick you for. And he looks at them all and he says, Simon, Simon, I'm looking at Leslie, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you means to have you all. That's where it reads. He wants every one of you to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, when you've come through what you've come through, strengthen your brethren. So there's things in our lives that happen, like Job, that we don't understand why, but for some reason they happen, and God brings us through them, that we will have experience for others coming behind us. Here's where God brought me from. Here's what God done in this middle of this circumstance. Here's where the Lord taught me. Every single experience that we go through should be a learning experience for the kingdom of God. Every single one of them. And there's many of them that we don't understand why or how they're happening. I've been through many. I'm sure you have all been through many. But learning through them is what God wants to do. He wants you to learn where you are that you will overcome. And then others coming behind you, He teaches you for them. Job, what happened to Job at the end? The Lord blessed him with more than he ever had. The Lord gave him bigger. The Lord gave him greater than he ever could have imagined. Look at Job chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Now, let's be honest. You would sort of of think, Lord, could you not pick somebody else? Now pick somebody else. I was talking to someone that a couple of days ago. And this ministry that they were in, I was on my, well, it was hands-free, like so I was in the car driving, I was on the phones, hands free. And they'd said to me, you know, I I really feel like I want to give this up. I says why I says, just feel like I have to give it up I says but why it gets tough I says absolutely it gets tough ministry is so hard yep it gets tough trouble at home I just keep getting attacked yep absolutely that's what happens as soon as you step out for God the old devil lets his rat winders go yep He says, Well what do you do? Every time I go to stop, he says, I can't, it's burning in me. I've tried and I can't, it's burning in me. I said, Then why are you talking to me about it? You have to do what God has given you to do, whether you like it or not. That sounds hard, doesn't it? But here's the thing. I've gave up ministry a million times. A million times says, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, I, I, I'm not going through this anymore. And then I'm sitting there and the Lord says, it's not up to you, son. It's my will. Go do. See, ministry isn't from you. If it's from you, then it's not ministry. But when it's from him, you have no choice. You're a love slave. Lord, would you not choose somebody else? He says, no, I'm choosing you. You know what? Doesn't it show you that even in our trials, and I'm saying this, and I say this because it's so difficult, even in our trials, it's in the good times, praise his name, and in the bad times, do the same. That's hard, it's difficult. And I know Job sits in the ashes and the dust, and he Scrapes himself the a pot broken pottery to try and relieve himself from the itch and the pain and the things that drives him mad. But yet, he still goes on. And the only thing that's left in Job's life is his wife. And she ends up, she has no help to him whatsoever. Talk about Job's friends, Job's comforters. Look, they came and slaughtered the, the boy sitting there. And Job ends up at the end, you see him really starting to... Qu- to, to waver a little in God's steps in the end of the book of Job. And he says, can you do this? Have you done that? Were you there when I formed the earth? Were you and who are you? Lord, I'm going to give up. Who are you to give up? I'm your God. See, that's what you call sovereignty. That's what you call sovereignty. The most blessed person, man and woman, there is are those who have been Chosen by him. The Lord said first three, the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him. See, no matter what the devil thinks of you, whether the devil is using people against you, whether the devil's using somebody's tongue against you, or somebody's weapon against you, whether the devil is bringing whatever against you, God says there's nobody like her, she's my daughter. There's nobody like him. He's my son. He's I I love him and her. They're my children. The devil comes. You see, they've failed you again. They've, they've, they've done a to wrong turn this time. Oh, sure, they've, they've, they've went backward or whatever. You know, and all these condemning remarks are made. But see when you're in Christ. And here Job isn't even in the new covenant. The Father looks at you, but he looks at you through Christ. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about, Satan. On you go. I love them. They're my children. If you consider them, there's nobody like them. You know what your father thinks of you tonight? There's nobody like you. you. say, well, what about the other child of God sitting beside me? Well, there's nobody like her either. I'm about him and the other There There's nobody like him. You know why? Because we're all being formed to be like Christ. And there's none. There's none like him. Yeah. So here we have the Lord saying there's none like him in the earth. A perfect. Now the word perfect means that he's it doesn't mean he's a total perfection for he's not, But it means he, he says upright but it's the same sort of word as upright. He does good. He's doing his best. He's doing the offerings. He's doing what he's told to do. One that feareth God and astueth or turns from evil And still he holdeth fast his integrity. Do you notice that, brother and sister? Still, the Lord says, there's nobody like him and her. They're holding fast their integrity. What does it mean? They're still trusting my son. Job's wife goes, curse God and die. Nothing like getting a blessing when you go home. Nothing like someone saying to you, look, I want to bring the meeting down. I want to bring it down with with." Uh, maybe something that it shouldn't be said in the church, or I want to bring the meeting down with with uh, unbelief. Or, listen, see, because we're the believers, we already overcome the unbelief. Greater is he that is in you in us than he that is in the world. So we notice here, the Lord said, he holdeth fast his integrity, although he moveth me against him to destroy him without cause. Thou moved me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yea, all that the man hath will he give for his life. But forth, put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse thee to thy face. See if you take away his comforts and his protection and everything else, see if you don't answer his prayers the way he wants his prayers answered, he's going to walk away from you and he'll curse you just like his wife has said. And you know, whenever we are tried, it's that it's not that the Lord doesn't know our hearts. It's that we would know our own hearts. Because sometimes we feel, Lord, I'll do anything. But see when it comes, oh dear. But that. I'll go anywhere. But there, or when the that prayer hasn't been answered the way we thought it should have been answered, well then I'm in the huff, or I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to serve you. I'm going back into the world. I'm going to, you know, whatever. But Job didn't. He kept going on in God. Now notice this. Let's go back to Ezekiel, Ezekiel fourteen and fourteen. Though these three men, Noah. Daniel and Job were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. So Daniel, judged by God. And when we look at Daniel here, in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 23, in Daniel chapter 10 verses 11 and 19, okay, you'll find Daniel is called greatly beloved. Let's turn to it. Daniel chapter 9 first. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 23. And at the beginning of thy supplications the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Daniel is praying for three weeks solid. There's no answer. You're ready to give up here, Lord. Suddenly the answer comes. He's called greatly beloved. Lord, if you love me that much, would you not answer me sooner? You see, there's a time to everything, isn't there? And it's not, never, he's never too early, and he's never too late. He's always on time. And then whenever we look at Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10, verse 11, And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then let your eye go down to verse 19 and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thy hast strengthened me. So this man is greatly beloved, but his name means judged by God. So it's how God judges him. Noah is seen as this. And Peter talks of Noah in 2 Peter 2 and 5 as a preacher of righteousness. The Lord sees Noah, and he appears to him and gives him grace to carry on. So they're judged on how the Lord sees them. Noah, then Job, Daniel. And when we look at this, Noah came through the flood but there was labour before it in the building of an ark to prove that he trusted the word of God. Job came through such a calamity and trial of not only losing his house and his farm and his land, but his integrity, or not, uh, 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 his placing not his integrity, pardon me, his place in the in the government, if you want, the gate of the city. The drunkards. Started singing songs about Job. That's how he, it, he got in society. Look at him now. Where's his God now? Why is there no blessing now? His wife's saying, curse God and die. And among this, his three friends come and they tear the fellow to shreds. They're meant to be what we call Job's comforters, but that's in the negative sense because they weren't. But because he kept what God had said and he kept trusting in the Lord, the Lord brought him through and blessed him more. And Daniel, he wouldn't eat with the, of the king's meat. And Daniel wouldn't bow down to the king's idol. And Daniel wouldn't worship anyone but the, but the Lord. And the Lord brought Daniel out of a lion's den. Why, why did the Lord allow it to happen? Did the Lord allow the land then to happen? <coughs> Truthfully, I don't know. But what I would be thinking about these things is that when we come through them, as Luke 22, Jesus said, we learn from the experience of who God is. You and I don't learn from experience of who God is even in our times of praise and worship we learn of his presence we learn how to minister his presence if you want or minister in his presence but we don't learn who he is we more learn who he is when everything's against us and he is for us that's we learn more in the valley than we do on the mountaintop. So the most dangerous prayer we can pray is Lord, increase my faith. But the most blessed prayer we can pray is Lord, increase my faith. So where are we? Where are we? So, Ezekiel mentions Daniel. Turn with me to Matthew 24. For those who, again, modernists who say there is no real Daniel, he never existed, and all these sort of things. Matthew chapter 24. The Lord Jesus is speaking. Let your eye again run down for time's sake, for time is flowing. And listen to what he says in verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth let him understand, let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Now, if Daniel isn't a real person, then we're calling Christ a liar. We're, We're hearing here that Jesus himself says, Daniel the prophet. So I believe the Lord Jesus. And again, there's another account of it. You can mark it down in Mark 13 and verse 14. So here we have Daniel has been mentioned by Christ himself. And if nobody else had mentioned him, if Ezekiel hadn't mentioned him, we would still believe there's a literal book, a literal person, literal happenings in Daniel, in Babylon, because Christ said so. Because he said so. So let's turn back to our opening reading, and we'll finish. Give me a few moments and that's us done. Let's our eye run down, verse 6. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belshazzar, and unto Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and Azariah of Abednego. Now, why did this happen? There's a hidden agenda in this, by the way. And the name changes of the whole four of them. One, they're taken away, first of all. Taken away from the land of Judah. They're taken away from the worship of Jehovah or Yahweh. They're taken away from the temple. They're taken away from their family, their kith and their kin. They're taken away from all they know. They're taken away from promised land into a land of the heathen, Babylon. And then the devil wants to destroy them even further by changing their names. Wants to rub out and to wipe out every remembrance of God. Just what the devil wants to do with us. He wants to cause us to forget everything. He wants us to ca- cause us to forget the word of God. Wants to to cause us to forget our prayer life. He wants to take us away from gathering together. He wants us to be like lone, lonely sheep and put on a wolf's coat upon us. He wants to put goat skins on us. He wants us to be somebody that we're not. Even to change our names that no one would recognize us anymore. But here's the thing, no matter how far they were in Babylon, no matter how far they were from the temple, no matter how far they were from Jerusalem, no matter how young, because he was a young man at this time too, and the three Hebrew boys too, no matter how young they were, and no matter when they were, their names were changed, God still knew them. They were still his, and he still knew where they were. So no matter what the devil throws at you, you're still his. God still knows you. God still knows where you are. Hananiah. Hananiah means God has favoured. Now remember the word Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The word came or Khanan. It's the same word here for Hananiah. It's, Hananiah. it's Hanan To favour. Grace. That's what it means. So it means God has favoured or God's given grace. And the word Hananiah is the word for Yahweh, Jehovah. For example, when you every time you say Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's Hallel is the great Hallel psalm, the great Hallel praise of Yah, as in Yahweh. The Hallel, the great praise of Yahweh. That's what Hallelujah means. So we just put it praise the Lord, and here it means grace of Yah. Grace of Yah, and I'm even having my name changed. Ah, you see, but grace has brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. And notice this his name is changed to Shadrach. Now, here's the hidden bit of it. Some say that this means royal scribe or friend of the king. But now we have to remember what king. What king? He's a friend of the king of Babylon, a king of the ancient mystery cult. That's what the hidden meaning of it is. You see, and behind things that look well can be the poison, sugar-coated poison. It actually means when you delve into this, it just doesn't mean royal scribe or friend of the king. It means the illumination of the sun god the illumination of the sun god. You know who the sun god is? Nimrod. And when you go home and read Genesis chapter 10 and 11, you'll read of Nimrod and the Tower of Babel. And you see, what happens is in history is that Nimrod dies, and he's deified as the sun in heaven. That's where we get sun worship from. The sunburst worship. The ancient mystery cults. The worship of the sun. And so here... Babylon from Nimrod and Shinar right down through into Babylon. It's the same area. It's the same country. And so here they're worshipping the sun. You see Nimrod's wife was called Semiramis. Semiramis was known as the moon goddess. The sun and the moon. Do you ever notice the crescent moon in the Islamic flags coming from this part of the world? That is from worshipping the moon god. So here we have this being uh, change where it's, it's, it's not just oh, it's not a nice wee name, the Royal Scribe, Illumination of the Son of God. In fact, Tam uh, uh, Semiramis, Nimrod's wife. She has a an, uh, she has a, a baby, but if someone else says it's it's a reincarnation of Nimrod, she calls his name Tammuz. and that's where you get the wor- the, the, the worship of mother and child. From. Sound familiar? From the Babylonian mysteries. It's brought through pagan Rome and carried up by papal Rome. Mother and child worship. Tammuz. And he was represented as fire. And so she, they used to like the sun and the earth and the sky oh. was Nimrod. Now his presence is on the earth by walking through the fires. That's why you walk through the fires. And you see the satanic trinity here. The sun, the moon, and the fire and the earth. Mother and child. So, the next one is Mishael who, and it means who is what God is, or he who comes from God. And again, his name, he's changed to Meshach, which Meshach means guest of a king. But now, listen, again, hidden behind it, when you look into this, his name means the moon god. All from Babylon mysteries. Do you ever see in some of the old paintings, and uh, you see what's meant to be I put-in-brackets, paintings of the saints and all that sort of stuff? Do you ever see the, the glow around their head? That's the sunburst. That's the glow of the sunburst. That's, that's just, it just changed through years bringing that through it's meant to be the glory of God that's the sunburst that was how they worshipped even a monstrous in a chapel where they put the, the wafer host of the, of the bread and they close it it's in a big star you ever see, it's like a big sun that's the sunburst when they hold it up the disc it's the sun and when they pray they say it changes Transubstantiation to the body, blood, divinity, the sinews, everything of Christ. And then we have Azariah for last. Azariah means Yah. Azariah, Yah. Jehovah, Yah has helped. Yah has helped. They changed his name to Abednego. Now, see if you um, go to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. Your attention has been tremendous. Um, and I know it's, well, it's now time to close, but we'll, we are closing here. Isaiah 46. Now, this is before they're carried away captive, okay? So all these nations are around Israel, all these heathen nations and all this mystery cult religion in Babylon and Syria and so on, no? Okay. Notice what it says, chapter 46, verse 1. Bel. Now note the name, Bel. What's Daniel's name changed to? Belteshazzar. In Daniel 5 we have what's known as Belshazzar's feast, one of the kings there. But Belteshazzar is the name they changed Daniel's name to. Now notice Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to a weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Now, let me tell you just in a nutshell what this means. Isaiah is prophesying through the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel, who'd allowed all these gods to encroach into them. And their sin, the grievous sin that we read about, has happened. And they're worshipping all these gods. (coughs) And so whenever we read even the like of Azariah, whose name is changed to Abednego, it's where we get the name Nebo from here in Isaiah 46. Nebo Stupeth, it's another god. Belteshazzar for Daniel is, again, Bel boweth down, Nebo Stupeth. Here's the idea. God is saying, you want to worship other things? You want to worship other gods? He says, they make idols. They do their statues. They put them on carts. And they get the beasts, and there words, oxen or something like that, or camels, I'd probably be oxen, and they and they pull the carts along. It says, and the weight of these, the, the these beasts are buckling under the weight of it. And you're praying to them, and you're bowing down to them, and you're trusting in them. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, you prefer them, and they can't help you. In fact, they can't even move themselves, these idols, You have to put them on the cart and move them yourself. So notice what he says. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he. Even to your whore or your gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Notice that. I have made and I will bear, says the Lord. He says, you're gods, you're carrying them. You're gods, you're putting them on a cart. You're gods, you're bringing them and they're going into captivity with you. And they're not helping you. They can do nothing for you. Where's your trust in? He says, but me, I carry you. See the difference? I carry you. I bear your burdens. I lift you up. So stop putting your trust in other things that can't help and turn to me. That was the idea of this. And then he says, to whom will you liken me and make me equal, compare me, that we may be like. Belteshazzar means treasury of Baal. All of Baal's treasures in this one Daniel. This man, Belteshazzar. All of Bel's treasure. You see, he's called a man with an excellent spirit in the book of Daniel. In other words, the Holy Ghost is with him. And even the gifts of the Spirit that aren't poured out until the day of pentecost they're actually through the book of Daniel too. And so they're saying, you know, there's an excellent Spirit in him. We call it the Spirit of the God, small g, meaning he doesn't, this Nebuchadnezzar man doesn't understand who this God is, but it's the gods that he thinks until he comes to realize there's a real God in heaven that revealeth secrets. He says there's an excellent Spirit in him. All the shots are Bell's in him. Bell's treasury wasn't in him. Even if he changed his name, it was God's spirit on him. And brothers and sisters, no matter what the devil tries to do, you belong to him. And he can name you whatever way he wants. It's not Bell's treasure, but you're God's treasure. Amen. Bless the Lord. That's all stand in his presence.